Hi everyone, you're listening to Something Real. On today's Something to Talk About portion, we're kind of staying, eh, not at a standstill, but we're diving deeper into uh, this idea of the blind, leading the blind, and we're staying in Luke chapter 6, and and in today's episode, we're focusing more on uh, following false teachings and false teachers, and what we need to know about that and how we can protect ourselves from such things. So, hope you guys enjoy. Well, first, let me say welcome back, Stacy. We've missed you while you were gone. The quack so. attack is back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Child of the 90s. <laughs> yes. No, thank you to um, Gabe and Heidi and Jeff for taking over while I was gone. <laughs> this, is, this is the quietest I've ever heard you speak in, in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you we're just that? talking about getting you on the mic and then you're like whispering. I, for- I forgot who was on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyway. <laughs> Uh, welcome back. Thank uh, you. We're happy to uh, be able to, to get the team back together and uh, be rolling with it. So, um, as I'm sure you say in the intro, we're uh, not progressing in our series in Luke, so this is a good time for us to be able to develop some of the ideas of, of what we've been looking at in the past. And as we're uh, working through this, um, we recently talked about this idea of the blind leading the, the blind and uh, it seemed fitting to be able to, to talk a little bit about how do we know how do we know if we're following bad teachers you know right. how do we recognize false teachers so there's a lot of that going on so yeah you know when you when you talk about that I think today more than ever what comes to mind is you know you the first thing that pops in my head when we hear false teachers of Christianity are these, you know, big names, mm-hmm. uh, big name preachers who get all this attention and get thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. And I'm not saying that they're all bad, right. but... We have seen a lot of scandals right. in recent years as right. well. And not just recent <laughs> years, but, you know, we just a couple of months ago had a famous preacher who was getting people to buy him a plane a private plane right there's a tv like show about that yeah. even like all these these uh preachers i think it's based like in, in the LA southern probably, states or yeah, la but but they have you know huge mansions yeah. and whatever and someplace where there's warm weather and money That's, right yeah. right or you know even you never find these preachers out in siberia you know <laughs> that's where i would want to be <laughs> in the alaskan tundra where nobody's around or even you know i don't want to get into the depths of this but even what's going on with the catholic church right now and all well, the news it's a there, very appropriate yeah, and, and I just yesterday heard the, um, I don't know if it's breaking news, but over the weekend, um, former nuncio of the, of the Vatican um, calling for the resignation of the Pope. I heard I mean, that you're, as you're well. You're talking about the biggest right. stuff going. So there's a lot that that comes together in all of these stories, from uh, bad doctrine to bad behavior uh, to bad policy. Um, and... I think that all kind of fits into the things that we're talking about here. And um, Jesus in Luke chapter 6 is specifically speaking about the Pharisees and to his disciples at the time. And yet what he's saying applies throughout time to all of us and anyone who is attempting to lead and yet is separated from the reality of God. And, or, or, you know, if I can 
be so bold as to connect to, to what we're trying to do here, if they're not connecting the reality of God to the realities of life, then we end up in a false teaching area. And so we want to be able to see where that is and how do we, how do we stay away from it? How do we keep ourselves from it? How do we keep from um, propagating falsehood, you know, and being false teachers ourselves? Well, I think the, that last thing you just said, I think it's easier to get drawn into it maybe. You know, if you see a, a preacher or, or guru of some kind with thousands and thousands of followers, you can develop your own opinions. But where, where it's easier to get caught up in things, I think, is if it's one person trying mm-hmm. to lead you a different way or somebody you trust that maybe is following a new way and they're trying to drag you into it. Okay. I think that, to me, is scarier. You know, if somebody you trust and know and, you know, you've known your whole life is suddenly going a different way and they want to bring you along with them and they want to teach you these things that you know to be you know fundamentally not true and not of christ Mm -hmm. that to me seems more dangerous because it seems less obvious okay yeah i I guess so what if i'm hearing you correctly what what sounds like you're saying is that the relationship can make that Right. All really come together. Right. Make it more appealing or, or easier to get sucked in. I'm probably going to trust, you know, my best friend that I grew up with, what that person says faster than I'll trust what yeah. Tony Robbins says or whoever, you know, right. whoever. Well, and you and I have a, a mutual friend from church who, um, when she was in college and, and during her, uh, her period at a uh, Midwestern city here in Michigan, um, trying to not be too specific as we go, uh, attended a very, uh, very popular, well-known church with a very well-known uh, pastor, and it was, uh, you know, it was a very important part in her life. Right. Um, really trusted his teaching. I followed his his stuff and and read his stuff, uh, and then along the way, he began to embrace teachings that were not scriptural. Universal right. salvation, you know, there's no such thing as hell, and and there is no condemnation and wrath of God. Right. Um, because Jesus died, everybody's saved, you know, whether you believe or not, all kinds of, you know, just kind of weird stuff. And, right. and I, I'm sure I'm oversimplifying some of that, but uh, that was heartbreaking for her, too. And yeah. thankfully, she was grounded enough in the Word of God that while it broke her heart, it wasn't going to lead her astray. Well, and that's the thing. And I think, I mean, you say it all the time, you know, don't listen to what I have to say. Make sure it's in the Word. Yeah. And it's so easy to... <clears throat> You know, like for, for that person, somebody she trusted and, and followed for years. Mm. And that person was on a certain path and then er, they yeah. switch all of a sudden. It can be really confusing and, <laughs> and hard to hard to break away. Right, yeah. It, you know, it is difficult because of that. And, you know, even it, as a pastor now dealing with folks that we've had some folks that have, have left our church real life and have um, followed other gospels so to speak that have followed uh, a different teaching uh, and I'm not talking about Christian denominations and you know we disagree right. about modes of baptism or, or how to how to practice the Lord's Supper but fundamental core teachings that have gone away from from what the scripture teaches <clears throat> and uh, you know there are a handful of them who have left here and have joined um, we don't usually use the word very often these days unless we're talking about uh, some bizarre situation, but uh, what used to be considered uh, very universally cults, mm-hmm. um, false teachings, distortions of, uh, of the Christian faith, 
and just getting caught up in things that are so explicitly condemned in the New Testament, it's just overwhelming. So on the one hand, um, a couple of people that have left here have gotten caught up in uh, following teachers who are really hung up on celebrating certain days and which day is the yeah. Sabbath and so on and so forth to the point of if you disagree you can't be saved you know right. you're, you're eternally condemned from God this is the mark of the beast and so on and so forth um, which is contrary to what what uh, Paul said about some celebrating you know one day is more special than another and some not and it really doesn't take us out of the brotherhood uh, and Another that left here to join a, a, a pseudo-Jewish cult that is uh, teaching a blend of Christianity with the keeping of the Old Testament laws. That if you don't keep the law, you're dishonoring God. Again, contrary to what the New Testament teaches, that the law is fulfilled in Christ. And all of those food laws, the dietary laws, the ceremonial laws, um, they're fulfilled in Christ. And so because we are saved by his grace through faith and not of works, none of that applies. Now, because we're saved through faith, through, by grace through faith and not of works, but saved for works, which is you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and the very next verse, verse 10, says that we're created, we're his workmanship, created in him for these good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So as we're seeing that, we're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. So then we have folks who have left here not to join an organized cult sort of thing, but to take on a message of licentiousness where uh, because God loves all of us, we're all God's children, and Jesus died to save me, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You know, I can... No, no rules apply. You know, the Little Caesar commercial, there are no rules. Right? Put your shirt back. <laughs> We've done that more than once in this More podcast. than once. It's a classic. <laughs> uh, but, but as we see those things happen, we have to be able to recognize that uh, to help others away from it, but also to stay away from becoming that ourselves, either becoming the false teachers or becoming <laughs> students of false teachers. And that's a really dangerous thing. Both are kind of terrifying. It can be, and, and that's why discipleship is such a key thing. And you know, as you mentioned, one of the things that I that I like to really promote uh, whenever I'm preaching is you don't need my opinion; you need the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And one of the characteristics I think that immediately should send up red flags to anybody is if I, as the preacher, as the leader, uh, whatever form that takes. Sometimes it's a pastor, sometimes it's a, a life coach or a guru. Uh, sometimes it's just a, um, you know, a mentor of sorts, maybe not in an official position, but leading you in a, in a particular way as a mentor in your life. Anytime they are claiming to have some sort of special knowledge that you need to follow them, you need to listen to them and not to anybody else, that is a red flag and you, you need to run because it's probably... 99.999 uh, bar percent of the time, uh, you're you're talking about false teachers. You, it's a it becomes a cult of personality, and so uh, that's what you see in, in like a David Wake, uh, David uh, Koresh at Waco, Texas, but you know, years ago, and, and so many others that I'm going to follow that person, even uh, even to the extent, and obviously a, a 
you know, when I say David Koresh or the next example are really out there, but even like a, a Charles Manson, where mm-hmm. people follow this personality and the charm and the, the, the person becomes such a big deal that eventually the your conscience and your mind get dulled to a place where they can make really bizarre suggestions right. and you believe it. Right. Uh, I've been kind of shaken here recently, or as shaken as I get by such things, um, by uh, allegations about a pastor that I've respected for a long time. I've never met him personally. I don't know him at all. Uh, I've just seen his influence in others. And um, I don't usually like to mention names, but because it's been in the news, you know, uh, Bill Hybels at at Willow Creek with some some very just unbelievable allegations to me. And just uh, more recently, the the two co-pastors, lead pastors that followed him and the entire board stepped down because they recognized that they did not follow up on this. They didn't, you know, regardless of whether it's right or wrong, it hasn't been proven one way or another, but there are a lot of allegations out there. And, and even people who have been supporters have now kind of turned. Mm-hmm. That was really hard for me to stomach because this guy, through his books and, and um, teachings, have influenced me in various ways and a number of other people, I mean, countless other people. Um, and then to hear the allegations against him of, um, you know, some abusive leadership issues, uh, which is exactly what he taught against. So allegations of, of really obvious sexual misconduct. Not There are a lot of things that are like, okay, well, is that interpretation? Right. These are not interpretation issues, not, not these allegations. Whether, the, whether they're true or not is another story. I'm not involved in that. But, but they are very specific and clear. And... If there's any shred of truth to those things, and it seems pretty evident that there is, that's just unthinkable in the body of Christ. How does that happen? And one of the ways that that happens, and we've seen it happen over and over, uh, you and I were uh, have talked about this at other times, but but even today talking about the the um, the, the big scandal in the Catholic Church. This happens when we trust the personality more than we trust the standard of God's word. It's not that we shouldn't trust the personalities, but that also always must be checked against the standard of God's word. It's often easier to have faith in people because they're here and they're talking to us. Right, you know? and, and <laughs> let's be honest, knowing the standards of God's word means i got to put the effort into reading God's word. Right. It's easier if I just take your word for right. it. You're the preacher, you tell me. You're right. the priest, you tell right. me what God's word says. And that's says. so easy for people to take advantage of. Absolutely is, even if they don't mean to. You know, right. and, and we recognize it in um, in political circles that uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That dynamic is rooted in the sin nature. And so it's just as true of religious leaders and pastors and priests as it is anywhere else. If, if there's no accountability, if you have an unchecked power, if you uh, are able to just speak words and people take that as if it was sent down from heaven on mm-hmm. golden plates, then you're going to end up in a dangerous situation, right. even if you start out right. And so when I think of somebody like uh, uh, Rob Bell, I, I was trying not to mention the name, <laughs> but I did anyway, so it's just easier at this point. Uh, I don't know, never met him, never been to that church. I have uh, friends and relatives who have, uh, I was influenced by his videos and his writings, and yet something changed. What changed? Was there a new revelation from God? No. 
clearly not because that's an indication that it's not from God. And we, right. we see that in the scriptures that, that uh, and Paul says, even if an angel teaches you another gospel, you reject it. Right. This is the gospel. Even if one of us comes to tell you that, that, that you know, there's a new change, it's not right. You focus on the gospel. And so I'm left with the conclusion that you had unchecked power. The personality got too big. The celebrity grew out of control. And pretty soon, there's just no accountability. You know, without a certain check to, um, to the momentum, we can start to, I guess I would say, believe our own press. You know, we start to go forward. With but things. that's an internal change as well then. that's For sure. I, I, you know, I think, um, I used to think I could answer these questions very simply and, and succinctly as black and white. And I don't really know that I feel that way anymore. Because I'm I mean, old it, enough now to realize I don't know as much as I knew <laughs> in my you're... 20s. So. Well, because, I mean, in that instance, you're either directly going against what you're teaching or you no longer believe what you're teaching. Right. And so I think, like mentioning Bell, I, I, if you were here, he could answer the questions for us. But I think a, a big part of that was saying, well, I've realized something I didn't realize before. So it's not like saying... You know, I have a new interpretation nobody else has ever had. Right. But I'm realizing that I was wrong about this and others. And that's a, that's a difficult thing to, to wrestle with because on the one hand, that's a sort of, it can appear to be a sort of humility mm-hmm. that, you know, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And in my learning, I see this. However, when that goes against the clear teaching of Scripture, it must immediately be rejected out of hand. If it seems to if it's if it's questionable maybe it isn't clearly stated but we see that it goes against the accepted teaching of uh, of the generations of the centuries and, and I don't just mean what has become tradition but the the interpretation of the word throughout the history of the church uh, we call that orthodoxy mm-hmm. and so when the collective wisdom of those who sincerely seek God and understand his word have come to conclusions on things that they have wrestled with uh, for example, the councils in the in the uh, early church in right. 300 A.D. and so on, you know, they wrestled with a lot of the things that we act as if they're not settled now, but they wrestled with them genuinely, sincerely, with the guidance of God's Spirit, uh, with the checks of one another, to come to conclusions about okay, here's here's where God's word says this, and your interpretations over here, and my interpretations over there, so. Where, where are we getting mixed up on it? And they hash these things out. And they put in so much blood, sweat, and tears. And then we come along 1,500 years plus later and say, you know, nobody's ever been as smart as us right now. We know more than anybody else. So let me tell you what God really meant that for 2,000 years nobody ever figured out until today. That's a pretty dangerous place. And again, if, if anybody says they've got a new revelation, a new understanding, some novel take, or a Bible code, my goodness, in the 90s, that was huge. This, you know, the um, da Vinci code. numerical <laughs> codes of the Bible. And, you know, if you find every seventh letter or 17th letter or whatever it is, and, you know, you run it through some algorithm, it'll kick out what God wanted you to see. Interestingly, they didn't have computers to run these things through when the Bible was being written, and it was being written specifically to people. So then God kept his word from these people that he was saying he was revealing it to. Come on, man. 
that just means throw everything away. Because if that's the case, then none of it's worth it. It's just people trying to look for what they want to find. Or to sell books. There are a lot of people who are just in it for profit. Yeah. And, you know, you look at at the New Testament, and so much of what was written in the New Testament, that uh, in the epistles in particular, with Jesus, he's talking about the blind guides in Luke 6. Mm -hmm. He talks about it in Matthew as well. So he's, he's referring to the Pharisees who have been caught up in trying to get God's church right, mm-hmm. the children of Israel at that time. They wouldn't have called it the church the same way. So trying to get Israel into a revival by adding to the scriptures. Well, that's false. That's wrong. That's what the devil did in Eden. That's what God hated all through the Old Testament. Here they are doing it. And they think they've got wisdom. They're offering wisdom. And if you'll just follow me, then you'll see God. And Jesus comes in and says, really, can, can a blind person lead a blind person? You don't know God. Right. And, and you're out here as the oppressed. So you're going to follow these other people who don't know God but are not the oppressed. They're going to say, here, here, you know, I'll take you somewhere. Well, where are we going? I don't know. But we're going we're gonna to go there anyway. Aren't you both going to end up in a ditch? Mm-hmm. And so then throughout the epistles... Paul, John, Peter, uh, Jude, all uh, James to a lesser extent, but but uh, all of these guys are addressing false teaching, and so much of what they're telling the churches, even in, in even Jesus himself in Revelation again, as he's um, sharing new things with John in the letters to the churches, he's addressing where they get off, where they go sideways from what they had been doing. So now. If you look at uh, the book of Jude, specifically addressing uh, false teachers and parallels Second Peter. Uh, in fact, Second Peter two um, is almost—it's almost like they're, you know, the same thing. Like right. They were hanging out together when they're, when they're writing. So you know, they're very parallel, very similar. Um, and then John is dealing with uh, Gnosticism in his letters. Uh, Paul deals with Gnosticism or a form of it uh, in Colossians and and lesser extent in Ephesians but so he's dealing with that and Gnosticism that is an ancient heresy where they uh, they, they were teaching asceticism where you, you really want to get away from flesh desires and separate the the spirit from the flesh because the spirit is holy and good and anything that is material is evil therefore Jesus didn't actually have a material body he wasn't really God and man because he'd be inherently evil then you know so there's all different forms of that and each of these churches that they're dealing with have some variation of, of, of that sort of a thing. And all Paul keeps doing is coming back to saying, here is the gospel. Right. Here is the truth, the center. And I love it in Colossians in particular because the, the whole message of Colossians is Christ is the center of it all. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe. Everything is by and through and for him. Everything. And so he just says, okay, here's the false teaching but. Let's focus on the truth. Let's not spend a lot of time worrying about the counterfeit. Let's focus on what the truth is. And I think that's important for us as we're looking at, at finding false teachers as well. As, as much as it's Yeah, that it's hasn't changed. It, it really <laughs> hasn't. And as much as it's important for us to recognize what a false teacher is, the best way for us to recognize the false is to recognize the true. So when we see a, a, a teacher who is worth following, somebody who is... Um, genuine, the, the, the real deal, the real McCoy, the genuine article. Um, we're talking about someone who's not fitting the negative characteristics, but is, to whatever extent, following the example of Christ 
the example of Paul, who's saying, follow me as I follow Christ, mm -hmm. you know, seeing this picture of what the New Testament looks like. We can even go back to the Old Testament, and we see uh, the prophets of old. All of those prophets had uh, different personalities and different mm -hmm. dramatic things that they did, and, and they did because they were directed to by God. Uh, but it was never about them. It was never draw attention to the prophet. It was get the attention away from the prophet. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist out in the wilderness living a, an austere lifestyle. Didn't do anything fun, right? Uh, he's, and because of that, the Pharisees saw a great contrast between him and Christ. They're both preaching the same gospel. Right. And John said, it's not about me. It's about him. He has to become greater. I have to become less. That's what, that was the mentality of all the true prophets of God. And you see that in the in the New Testament as Paul is saying, it's not about Paul. You know, the people are in Corinth. They're like, oh, man, we're going to follow Apollos. He's got a better personality than Paul. And, you know, he's the rock star and so on. And Paul's like, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We're nothing. Well, you know, whether I planted and he watered, it's only God that gives the increase. It's only about him. Right. And that was the message through all these letters as they're dealing with it. The Galatians were, you know, dealing with more of the, the Judaizers, the legalistic, you know, go let's go be circumcised and have all of the, the Jewish laws fulfilled in us. Because if not, then you're really not spiritual. You're right. not really saved if you don't look like that part. And Paul's saying, what happened to you? You were on a good path. Who bewitched you? I mean, he uses really strong language with the Galatians. And, and as he's dealing with the Roman church and the Corinthian church, all of these churches... He keeps bringing them back to Jesus Christ always. Christ only always first in my heart. He says to the Romans, if you want to be saved, believe and confess. That's it. There's nothing else. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. There is no other thing. It's not that plus baptism. It's not that plus communion. You do these things out of obedience, but those, those aren't the, the traps. And so I'm seeing a lot of Things and if you go on the internet, if you go on YouTube, uh, there are so many different um, videos that can give you information, and so much of it is like you mentioned, saying what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm going to listen until I find a teacher who says what I want to hear. Right. So I, if, I remember seeing on Facebook a few months ago a friend of mine that they posted something and they said, "Finally, I finally found a church." that yeah. accepts me or, or what my beliefs right. or whatever. So yeah, you can shop around until you, you know, find something that goes with what you think it should be, but that's not necessarily <laughs> what God says it should be. And I think that's something to really watch for in, in the modern church. Um, and anyone hearing this should temper these words a little bit as you hear them, because anytime we see a church changing its fundamental direction, changing its core beliefs and core values, that requires some very, very deep explanation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not talking about the color of your carpet and you know, and so, on, so on and so forth, the name over the door, irrelevant. But your core beliefs, how you interpret Scripture, when that changes along the way, we better take a really hard look at how and why. And right now, we're seeing a lot of churches, it's extremely popular in our day, and we're seeing among Christian musicians and authors and bloggers, well, my position has evolved, mm -hmm. and I've come to the realization that God's really okay with an LGBT lifestyle. God is okay with these things. God really doesn't have concerns about this. Love is love and all this. All it is is taking what the world has told us 
and then trying to stay Christian. We want to keep one foot in the church. We don't want to abandon God because we love to say, I believe in Christ. I believe in God. He's still my Savior. But he can't be your Savior if he's not your Lord. If you're not saying, okay, Lord, it's your way, not my way. Eventually, it will be his way. Mm -hmm. But you might not like which side of the fence you end up on if you're trying to straddle it. And so we have churches today that, you know, as you said, people are shopping around looking for somebody to tell me what I want to hear. And I've even, I'm, I'm fairly outspoken with, with things and I don't really hold back, but I've had to battle that temptation at times to soften the word, to say, you know, or not to not say it, but to try to couch things in a comfortable way. And, you know, you and I have had the conversation about homosexuality before, you know, I, when I was working in the factory, uh, one of my, what became one of my closest friends uh, was a, a very, um, it was in the 90s, it was, so it was my, really my first experience with LGBT folks at all of any consequence. And he was one of my closest friends at that point um, because we, he was my partner at work. We were working together mm -hmm. eight hours a day plus every day. And uh, his, first com his first comment to me when we officially met was, you need to know I hate Christians. And I'm like, oh. Okay, now what, Lord? <laughs> and I said, well, you need to know I love gays, so let's go. And right. we were able to develop a, a kinship. He laughed, and we went on. We got to talk about the Lord, got to talk about the Bible. And I got to tell him why God is opposed to homosexuality. Not, not that God hates you because you're some terrible person. Right. He, he hates sin, and this sin is preying upon you. But we've gotten to a place now in our society where we don't know the difference between truth and lies. We can't tell, you know, where the abusive folks end and the licentious folks start. And, mm -hmm. and so how many times have we talked about the devil loves this pendulum? Right. So often the false teachers are the ones that are going to swing it one way or another. So I'd say that's another thing to look for in a true teacher of the gospel is balance. Chuck Swindoll always that's one of the things that has always drawn me to him is, is it really emphasizes balance. Not always in the Old Testament, not always in the New, not always uh, on, on this topic or, or this topic, but, but to get all of God's Word and to stay balanced in the, in the middle. Not being goofy and silly, but not always serious all the time. Right. And so when we have, uh, when we see the devil swinging this pendulum in the church back and forth, so we go from, you know, the, the far side where, you know, people are like, you know, God hates sinners and, and you know, Westboro Baptist picketing uh, right. veterans, funerals, and yeah, you know, this is supposed to be a picture of who Christ is. Right. So they're out there saying homosexual is wrong and saying horrific things. Well, nobody in Orthodox Christianity believes that. Right. Nobody. And I'm telling you this. I don't say a lot of things in absolutes this way. <laughs> there is absolutely no Christian who knows Christ who can believe that those things are right. And if you are involved with that, you are not a part of the body of Christ, period. If anybody wants to send me emails, go ahead. But at the same time, when we say all bets are off, you know, God says do whatever you want, so we have this spiritual anarchy, that's not true either. And if that's where you are, you are not a part of the body of Christ. God calls us to a fanatical balance. The reality of God in his holiness juxtaposed with the mercy of God, the love of God expressed to us in Christ. The grace that he gives us is only grace if there is a law, if there is a standard of holiness. And if, if God just says, do whatever, 
that he can't be the God of the Bible, who is holy, who does have a standard of right and wrong. And everything that we know to be right or wrong is found in his character. So apart from the character of God, then we're back to what the evolutionists would say, you know, just natural law, the strong survive. And if that's the case, then let's quit complaining about what anybody does. Right. Is the school shooting really wrong? No, it's survival of the fittest. That's how it works. But we know that that's not right because we have an innate sense of justice in us. So there is a God who has created us and, you know, kind of melding a whole lot of conversations here. But as we look at what a, what a false teacher does, they're going to... They're going to not be balanced. They're going to take those extremes. They're mm-hmm. going to focus. A lot of times, they'll focus on an individual issue. So they're going to focus in on, you know, homosexuality, for example. So this is our gay pride church. Yeah. Or they're going to focus in on the Sabbath. So this is our Sabbath. You know, it's a Saturday only or a Sunday only, and nothing else matters. This is the biggest thing. Or a tithing church, and this is such a big deal. Or the opposite. Don't ever tithe. Tithing is wrong. It's not for the. You know. Come on, man. Get yourself off the pendulum. And let's look at the whole counsel of God, all of Scripture together, Christ in the center, the, the, the crimson cord that holds it all together. And, and when we can see the full picture of what God is doing, then all of the individual pieces begin to make sense. And when we take those individual pieces out and we start to build a theology on that, we're going to go off. So lack of balance, um, personality over Scripture, I think that's a dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous place to be. Uh, and I, without going to those texts, the ones that I referenced earlier, you can see all of these pictures in there, Jude, Second Peter 2 in particular. Uh, as Paul writes to, to Timothy in both letters, First Timothy and especially in Second Timothy, uh, Colossians, Galatians, uh, the second part of First uh, Corinthians and, and even Second Corinthians as well. So you see a lot of these, uh, these characteristics come up. Uh, people who are after dishonest gain want to exploit your weaknesses, to get you to give them money, uh, if not money, influence. Sometimes it's not for uh, monetary or financial gain, but for that, um, just the the ego gain. Just you know, power. Be, just yeah. right. The, the the popularity, the power that goes along with phenomenal cosmic followers. power. Phenomenal <laughs> cosmic power, and the consequences that go with that is itty bitty living space. <laughs> and a really hot one. Because you're going to end up in the same ditch as those false teachers. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Jesus says right after this in, in uh, I want to say it's Luke 640. I may have the verse off, but it's in that section 39 to 42 is what we're talking about. Uh, it, you know, the, the student becomes like the teacher. So whatever teacher you choose to follow, when you have been fully trained, when you have followed those teachings, you will become like that teacher. And that's not a good thing, like the karate kid type thing. Well, I mean, it, it can be. I mean, if you're following Paul and you become like Paul, who is like Christ, then that's a good thing. Right. Um, but if you're following Paul, then you're going to know, I'm not really following Paul. Right. He's my example because I'm looking through him to Christ. He's the, he's the window. He's the lens through which I'm able to see him. Mm-hmm. But I'm not following that teacher. But since I can't see Jesus, the leader that I follow, just like I'm following my older brother or I'm following my dad, you know, that's the picture that I have. But I have to recognize that they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And so I don't follow them above the Word of God. The Word of God is always the standard. Uh, but it's natural for us to have people that we look to for examples. And all of us have them, mentors in our right. lives. That's good and wholesome. However, if that gets distorted, it becomes destructive. Or if it masks. Or if it masks. Anytime that person, uh, and again, going back to the example of whether it's uh, Hybels or any number of 
fallen pastors that have dealt with things. Uh, and it's not always, you know, some sexual scandal like Mark Driscoll, um, who, who's now preaching again, but uh, was removed from his church, ironically also called Mars Hill, just like Rob Bell's, but unrelated. Um, it, it was just getting overboard and not being accountable. Mm-hmm. And not that there was some dramatic, ungodly, sexual scandal, sin, or anything like that, but abuse of power was alleged. Uh, I think he admitted to most of those things. I don't, I don't really remember a lot of the details of it. But we see a number of things like that. When we start to cover up sin, sin happens, we try to cover it up. And, and we got to balance that in our day and age because in 2018 we're looking at these trends of cover-ups. So we, we're like, you know, bloodhounds out here trying to find the scandal, trying to find some cover-up. Well, sometimes people are trying to deal with things in-house, and it's not really a cover-up as so much as you're trying to get things fixed, trying to get them right. Right. Sometimes that doesn't go well, and sometimes it does. I don't know what the balance is for that, uh, but there is, when somebody's really trying to cover something up, you know. There are are lies being told. There are omissions being made. That's not the same as, you know, trying to get somebody counseling and and things like that. Uh, Again, there are a lot of gray areas in there, and I'm not even going to begin to suggest, particularly uh, over the magical internet, uh, <clears throat> that uh, that I have some super perfect formula that people should follow, and this will be the right way. I don't know. I'm figuring it out myself the same way. All I know is when we follow the scripture, we're in the right track. When we start getting off from that, when we end up in trouble. I think that's a good place to stop for today because we're going to be talking about this for the next two, three weeks. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think I've taken a breath in 10 minutes, so I apologize for that. But I think, you know, that's a, that's a good point to end with. And that's really the bottom line is no matter, you know, who you decide to follow, what you decide to listen to, check it. Check the word. Check the word, yeah. And, and anybody that exalts themselves above the word, they're doing the same thing the devil did. It, it's only Christ. And, it, and if Christ is the, the invisible God made visible, if he is the living word, and the written word is how we see him. That's how, that's how we're able to see the special revelation of God. Then that needs to be our focus. And we can see God in creation, and we can see God in one another, but those are imperfect pictures. The written word of God, the, the revealed special revelation of God, tells us what we need to know. And if I have to have a, a special translation to make it say what I want it to say, then I'm probably in the wrong. You know, it, Which, again, I know we're ending, but... Anytime you have a teacher who's trying to tell you you can only use the King James Bible, that is a particularly scary thing. Not that the King James is bad. I memorized most of the scriptures I know in that from the time I was a child. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with the Spanish Bible either. But if I try to teach you from a Spanish Bible and you don't teach Spanish, it's really easy for me to twist it. Nothing wrong with the Latin Bible. People did that for centuries, and it got twisted Mm -hmm. and distorted. We We can't expect people to follow us and to limit their study to make it easier for us to fool them. That's just a bad place to be. All right. Well, we'll wrap up there for today. But like I said, we're probably going to talk about this for the next couple of weeks at least. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll probably never stop. <laughs> um, I feel like this is a topic that, you know, people might have some questions or comments on. So you can always um, 
if you download the Anchor app, which this podcast is published through, you can actually leave voicemails directly on there that we can include in the show. So if you ever have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to do that. You can send us an email, Facebook message. We do have the email address as well, yes, right? Is yes, yes. Uh, is it something real? At I believe so. I'll put that in the description um, for this episode. And you, you don't can, send a lot of emails to it, right? Yeah. So. And uh, you can email Rich with all your complaints. So. There you go. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next time.